0: Well, good morning. Can you think of a time when you've been under pressure? I mean, really under pressure, where you feel the weight of a situation, something that you're facing just crushing you, pushing you down and down. It seems overwhelming. And you're not sure what you're going to do. You're not going to sure how you're going to handle it. You're not sure how you're going to get through it. Pressure. Billy Joel recorded a song called Pressure. So did David Bowie and Queen. The lyrics to the David Bowie song is pressure pushing down on me, pushing down on you under pressure. We all know what it is to to feel pressure, to feel the pressure to perform the 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 pressure to have an answer, the, the pressure to lead the pressure to have it together. And for some people, Some people seem to handle pressure better than than others. Uh, Some people are able to move through it and thrive. Others just crumble, it it seems. In sports, we call a person who can handle pressure well, we call them clutch. What a clutch player. What a clutch shot. In, In business or politics, we call a leader who doesn't panic somebody who is poised under pressure. I mean, can you imagine feeling the pressure of a whole city and a whole nation? Knowing that your decision, your example, your actions in this moment will lead to life for many or to total destruction. Just imagine that kind of pressure. Today we are finishing up the immersed sermon series we kicked off uh, eight weeks ago as we were reading through the Kingdoms section of the Bible, the books of Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel, and First and Second Kings. And today we come to a passage in, in 2 Kings where Hezekiah, the king of Judah, is under tremendous pressure. But before we look at what's causing and creating that pressure, and before we look at how he responds and what we can learn from how he responds, let me introduce you to Hezekiah. So I'm going to read the first eight verses of 2 Kings chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hoshea's reign in Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. David was like his great, 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 like seven times grandfather. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah Those are all idols of foreign gods. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was something back in Numbers 14 that God told Moses to put together. And when people are being bitten by snakes, they would look at this and they'd be healed. So it was a good thing, but now it had been turned into something that was an idol. The bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands that God had given him, given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything that he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. He also conquered the Philistines as far distant as Gaza and its territory from their greatest from their smallest outpost to their largest walled city. Now something to understand here. As you saw in the video, maybe you remember, or but just a refresher. The nation of Israel, the people of God, had been split into two kingdoms for quite some time. There was the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and there was the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. And in Judah was Jerusalem, the capital city, and that's where King Hezekiah lived and reigned. And as you just heard, Hezekiah was considered a very good king. It said he obeyed God and followed all of his commandments. So, Doug, you ask, where's where's the pressure coming from? Well, the pressure is anticipated... In verse 7, Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Why is this a problem? Well, because the king of Assyria is this dude. We have a picture of him? That's Sennacherib. He ruled Assyria, which was the most powerful kingdom in the, in the ancient Middle East from 705 to 681 B.C. And Sennacherib was a very, very bad guy. He's a guy you did not want to cross. In Sennacherib, he was all about intimidation, kind of psychological warfare. He was and he was really good at it. I guess he figured if he could get people to tremble in their boots, they would they'd give up before it even began. You know, I had the opportunity a couple summers ago to to visit the British Museum of History in London. And while I was there, they have this section, this huge section on the ancient Middle East. And there were these huge slabs of rock on this wall, huge slabs that they used to have in the palaces and and places like that, that were carved with Assyrian battle scenes. And apparently the Assyrians were really brutal people. They would decapitate their enemies and pile the heads outside the city walls. They would skin their captives alive. They would take captives who were still breathing and and stick them on sharp sticks like a shishkabob and lift up them in the air for all to see and Sennacherib he was the guy who ordered all this and orchestrated it I guess the idea was to be so brutal and to be so violent and so evil that people would just simply give up and give him whatever he wanted I guess the Assyrians had sort of a protection racket going you pay tribute and give us what we want or we will completely destroy you and we will torture you in the process just for fun As we read through chapter 18, we see that due to their disobedience, Israel, the northern kingdom, has already fallen to the Assyrians. They've been hauled off to Assyria in exile. And then we pick it up in verse 13. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, King Sennacherib of Assyria came to attack the fortified towns of Judah and conquered them. King Hezekiah sent this message to the king of Assyria at Lachish. I have done wrong. I will pay whatever tribute money you demand if you will only withdraw. And the king of Assyria then demanded a settlement of more than 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold. And we continue to read and we hear that Hezekiah does it. He empties out his treasure, his royal treasury. All the silver is all given to him. He even goes so far as to strip gold off the walls and the doors of the temple you think that would be enough. But Sennacherib, he, he wants to send a message. You do not miss, mess with, with Sennacherib and live to tell about it. And he doesn't withdraw his troops. He continues to lay siege to Jerusalem and he taunts Hezekiah in front of all the people and he shouts insults. And Hezekiah, in this moment of great pressure, with so much on the line, he's terrified. I mean, he's heard how the Assyrians treat the kings that they capture. Listen to this in chapter 19, verse 3. This is what King Hezekiah says. Today is a day of trouble, insults, and disgrace. It is like when a child is ready to be born, but the mother has no strength to deliver the baby. Now, in in this ancient world, they wouldn't have had C-sections. So when a mother was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and the baby wouldn't come out for whatever reason, and she kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and she ran out of strength, well, when that happened, the baby would die and the mother would too. It was a tragedy. And so Hezekiah uses this image of this mother facing this moment of great pressure, of great danger, of great importance and trial, and she doesn't have enough strength to get through it. She just can't, and she, she finally just gives up. And Hezekiah says, that's what I'm feeling like. That's what I'm facing when I look at my enemies. Sennacherib, leader of the greatest army in the known world, and I look at my people and the situation we're in, I cannot handle it. It's crushing me. The pressure is just too much. I do not have what it takes in this situation. Can anybody relate to that? Hezekiah facing a terrible, barbaric army and his city's under siege. There's no way out, literally. They are going to starve to death. They're going to die of thirst. Hopefully that's better than what could happen to him if they're captured. Sennacherib's got him right where he wants him, and he's going to enjoy it because he's a sadistic guy. And so he sends Hezekiah a letter, and in the letter, you can read it in chapter 19. We're not going to read it right now. He basically tells Hezekiah, you're going to die. I know it and you know it. You know how you're going to die. You're a dead man walking. I've wiped out all your neighbors. You've heard how i killed them. Now it's your turn. There's nothing you can do about it. Talk about pressure. What does he do? What do we do when we ourselves face trials, tough situations, whether it's in our lives personally, in our community, our nation, our world? What do we do? We can learn from Hezekiah's example. Can I show you what he did? Look at verse 14. See what he does. After Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers, this is the letter from from Sennacherib, and read it, He went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. Now, the minute he reads this letter, the minute he begins to freak out, the freak factor is high here, what does he do? He goes to the temple. And remember, he's in Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem is the temple, and in the temple is the Holy of Holies, and in the Holy of Holies, there's the Ark of the Covenant, which is where they understand God's presence is manifested, On top of the Ark of the Covenant, that is where God often would choose to reveal himself, often in fire or smoke. And God would, in a sense, reveal himself and say, hey, I'm here and I'm real. So what does Hezekiah do when he's despairing, when he's fearful, when he's overwhelmed, when he's under pressure? He says, I need to go to the place where the presence of God is. And I need to take my letter and my problems, and I need to spread them out in front of the Lord. Now, why did he spread the letter out? Did he think God didn't know what was going on? Hey, God, pay attention. Can you have your eyes over here for a second? Do you know what's going on? Do you know what's going to happen to me and your people? No. Hezekiah knew God was all-knowing. I believe he spread it out because he needed to see the letter in the light of God's presence and power. Can I say it this way? When you know God is with you, your problems look smaller. He says, I'm going to read this letter again. I'm going to face this problem in the shadow of God's presence. And he says, God, I want to have your perspective. I want to look at my problems and my situation, what's going on in my, my, my city with my people, at the same time looking at you, because when I see my problems in the light of your power and presence... Our problems, they look different. You know what this kind of reminds me of? Help me, forgive me if this sounds a little bit trite. Um, it, it's kind of like, makes me think of photobombing. You know what photobombing is? It's when two people are posing for a picture and somebody or something kind of pops into the background, unknowing to them. Like, let's take a look at this. We have, see this guy? Is pr- he's, you see what he's doing? He's, pr- he's proposing, and in the background, in the water, in the aquarium, you see this baby hippo just kind of photobombing the, the picture. You know what a divine photobomb is? A divine photobomb is when God hovers in the background and says, I want to be in your picture. As you take a picture of your problem, as you stare at what concerns you, it could be your marriage, your children, your finances, your health, your job, what's going on in the culture or or the nation. As you take a picture of your problem, God says, do you mind if I hover in the background and and give you a little perspective. And Hezekiah spreads out his letter and God says, I want to be in this picture because your problem is going to look much different with me in it. Now, when we look at our problems by ourselves, they look enormous. And you might say, Doug, my problems really are enormous. If that's the case, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, my, my heart goes out to you. We we must remember to bring them before the Lord and spread them out in his presence because even the greatest problems suddenly seem different compared to the grandeur and the compassion and the power of our great God. So I want to read the next verse because Hezekiah then prays and he prays a prayer that lasts five verses, but I'm just going to focus on the first verse because that gets the, the point across. What does Hezekiah pray? He prays, O Lord, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth, O God. So let's take a look at this truth here. O Lord, God of Israel. Hezekiah says, I'm part of Israel. You are, are our God. You're not a God who is distant from us. You identify with us. You're our God. You are on our side. Now, if you're you're Hezekiah and you're looking out these walls and you see Sennacherib and you know his reputation, don't you think it would be good to know that God was on your side? God was on his team. God was cheering his name. God was saying, hey, Don't forget it. I'm your God. We need to remind ourselves of that. Whatever we face in life, no matter how tough or overwhelming, when we look at our lives or our world, we need to remind ourselves that God is on our side. And God says, I'm for you. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I've adopted you into my family through Jesus Christ. I'm for you. Let's let's continue on. You are enthroned, God. Now, what does it mean to be enthroned? It means to sit on a throne, right? You're the king. You're in charge. Isn't it good to know that God's in charge? Another word for that is sovereign. That whatever we're facing, he's got it covered. It's so comforting to know that that we're not running the show. That the ultimate responsibility doesn't lay on us, lie on us that we're called to submit and obey and follow God each step of the way as he leads. In Hezekiah, as he's surrounded by the Assyrians, as he's being threatened by Sennacherib, he reminds himself, I'm not the guy in charge here. Ultimately, it's God. I just have to do what he tells me to do. Next phrase in the prayer. Between the mighty cherubim. Now, what's this about? You've probably seen Ridders of the Lost Ark. If you haven't, that's part of your assignment. Go home and watch it. Great movie. Okay, but in the movie, you see this Ark of the Covenant and you've got these angels on the top of this box and they are stretching out towards each other. And the reason the box was so important was because it was viewed as the throne of God between those angels was was God's throne. And the significance is that Hezekiah, he cannot see the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because it's in the Holy of Holies. He's in the temple, but he cannot go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go in there once a year. Hezekiah can't go in there. But he knows it's in there. And he knows it's there behind that curtain or on the other side of the wall. And Hezekiah says, I'm surrounded on all sides. There's no way out. I'm facing a king who's killed every king he's challenged. But I know you're right here. I know you're right in the middle of this with us. This great God, he says... To us, You're going to have to go through trials, you're going to have to go through fires, you're going to face all sorts of difficult situations and enemies, but you should know I'm right there with you. I'm literally by your side. I'm in it with you. And we're going to do it together. And then the last part of the prayer. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. Now, what kingdom do you think Hezekiah is thinking of when he prays this? Sennacherib, right? The kingdom of Sennacherib, the Assyrian Empire. And he says, God, Sennacherib doesn't intimidate you. God, you are superior to him in every way. God, you are greater. And then he says, you alone create the heavens and the earth. The greatest army in the world is camped outside my city walls. They're surrounded us. And he's planning to torture me and skin me and put me on the pole. But his power, Sennacherib's power, is nothing compared to yours, God, to what you have done. He says, you have created the sun and the moon. You create stars, tossed them into existence in the expanse of the sky. Sennacherib's power is small potatoes compared to what you have done, Lord. And as Hezekiah lays out his problems before God, the things that keep him awake, the things that worry him, the things that crush him with pressure. He finds peace. You you remember in in Philippians 4, what, what does Apostle Paul tell us to do when we have problems, things that crush us and push us down? He says, present your problems, present the things that make you anxious, present the things that create pressure in your life, present them to God and what happens? The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Now, how does this turn out? Well, Hezekiah's faith in God is well-founded because during the night, God sends an army of angels and it destroys, devastates the Assyrian army, and Sennacherib goes back to his homeland, licking his wounds. But when Hezekiah brought his letter before God, he didn't know that was going to happen. He had no idea what God was going to do or what God wouldn't do, but he trusted in God and he had faith. He had peace. Now, there is a lot in our world to be anxious about. I mean, we could put together quite the list, couldn't we? Just look at the headlines the coronavirus. It's creating a lot of disruption. A lot of anxiety and frustration. There's the political landscape. That's caused a lot of anxiety lately, hasn't it? There are things going on in our culture and our world that concern us. I think those would be at the top of our list, probably. But what else is on your list that you need to bring before the Lord? Is it your marriage? Is it your children? Uh, Could it be your aging parents? Could it be the job review that you got and it wasn't so favorable? Could it be your finances as you've been laid off and, and the bank account is shrinking? Could it be your health? Not what it should be. The doctor doesn't say it's good. I've got an assignment for you. And it doesn't involve watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. Put together a list. Your list This week, do it. Write it out. Write it down. What is causing you anxiety? What is causing you to worry? What are you facing that's causing pressure in your life? List it out. Write it out. And then bring it before God in prayer. Jot down the problems you're facing and give it to God. Ask God to give you perspective, ask God to grant you His peace through His presence. And remember, as Hezekiah prayed, remember that God is for you. Remember that God is with you, no matter what it is. Remember that God is in charge, no matter how it might not feel that way at times. And remember that God is greater than anything or anyone or any power that you'll ever face on this earth. Let's pray. Father, we come into your presence and we thank you for this story about Hezekiah and Sennacherib and and the example of of Hezekiah. He faced tremendous uh, fear and pressure, uh, his nation being threatened, his, his own health and life being threatened, seemingly no way out. And he came to you, God, and he laid it out in front of you. And you gave him perspective and you gave him peace through the power of your presence. God, I pray that we as your people in all that we do and say that through our attitude and our actions we would show that we are people who trust in you. That we do believe and we know that you are with us, that you're for us, that you're in charge, and that you are greater than than everything on this earth, and everything uh, that's not of this earth, Lord, you are greater, so Lord help us to to trust in you, in Jesus' name, amen.